Oh, first, just a <clears throat> happy Father's Day to all the men who are here. What an uh, incredible job we men have as fathers. And I include myself in that as well. I'm a father for sure, but our big day for priests is not today. It's Holy Thursday. It's the institution of the priesthood where we celebrate our fatherhood. But because today is Father's Day, I want to focus just a little bit more on the men. <clears throat> and there's obviously a crisis of masculinity right now in today's world. You can't even talk about masculinity or femininity without being labeled somehow. I had my, I think maybe I told you this, but we had the confirmation kids. And one of my classes is true masculinity, true femininity. Put that up on the board and I said, all right, give me some adjectives of what it means to be man and what it means to be woman. They wouldn't give me any. None. I'm like, you guys, give me something. And they're like, well, we're not sure if it would go under masculinity or... I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this where... This is North Dakota. Is this where we're at? And they said, well, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to be labeled. Ah. I don't want to be labeled as a bigot. And now they're going, they're going after motherhood and fatherhood. For women, this ridiculous terminology of birthing person. If I was a woman, I would be irate. It's ridiculous. How did we come to this stupidity? And what are they going to do for fathers? God only knows. But what I see is a growing tendency in young men to sort of like, they're gravitating towards two options of masculinity within the culture. One is what I'd call like the complacent man. Just kind of the guy that's like, ah, oh, whatever. He just doesn't really have any ambition. He doesn't care about anything. He lives with his parents till he's 40. Did you know that the average 21-year-old in America right now has played an average of 10,000 hours of video games? That is pathetic. Pathetic. Now, listen. I like video games. Not anymore. But when I was younger, I liked video games. I played them. 10 thousand hours by the age of 21 men have like they have all this power and this initiative and strength and what do you you just throw it away throw it away become lazy but on the other side the other caricature of masculinity is the bully Power, strength, I push people around. I make people do what I want. Chest pounding. And that's a lie too. Both of these are lies. It's not what it means to be a man. The sensitive, lazy, smooth-talking bum or the truck-driving, chest-pounding jerk are both wrong. So what does it mean to be a man? I thought about this for a long time. <clears throat> and I think if I could sum it up, what it means to be a man is to be a father. Fathering is the only thing that women can't do. So there. <laughs> we got that. A father is supposed to use his strength to serve, to protect, to provide, to lead, to initiate. And men, if that is our deepest identity is to be a father and to lead by using our strength and service for the good of others, to move out of ourselves and to be the one who does that first. 
What do you think our greatest temptation is? I think it's passivity, indifference, coldness, especially to a spouse or to the family. And if men are meant to lead through service, then women are meant to receive and to respond with strength and with grace. And if this is the case, then what is woman's greatest temptation? To take control. Man, how many times do you come home and your wife is like, we need to do this and this and this and this and this. And you're like, good Lord. And you're just like, honey, just do it. Because you're going to do it better anyway because you've been thinking about it all day. I just got home. Because <laughs> women's brains don't stop. Men's do. <clears throat> they, you guys, they, I heard this recently. They did a study of a man's brain waves while he was sitting at rest doing nothing. They said, just sit here, relax, don't do anything. We're going to scan your brain. When his brain was doing nothing, okay, what his brain was doing while he was sitting there doing nothing is it was producing literally enough mental energy to basically keep him alive. It was regulating his bodily functions, and that's it. So women, wives, girlfriends, when, when you ask your, your husband, what are you thinking? And they say nothing. They mean it. They're telling you the truth. Right? And when God made woman, it was his second shot at the brain. And so he did it better, but he overcorrected. You overdid it. And that's why women's brains don't ever shut off. It's not like, hey, honey, what are you thinking about? It's like, hey, honey, what are you not thinking about? And because of this, men can grow tired. And slowly they just give up leadership, little by little. And the woman takes control. And what happens is, it's not the big boss woman that wears the pants in the family. What ends up happening is the woman begins to resent the man because he's not leading Right? And, and the man begins to resent the woman because she's taking all the control. He's like, why don't you just let me lead? And she's like, why don't you just lead? And there's resentment. So men, how are you leading? Where are you leading? Are you leading? Or have you given up? I don't know the whole answer to all of these questions. I'm a man, I'm a father, but I know one thing for sure, gentlemen. You might not know what you're doing or how to do it or what to say, but your presence is everything. It has immense power. And your absence also has immense power. It is no coincidence that the absence of fathers in the modern world is causing the breakdown of the family and is causing all of these issues with identity. There is no doubt. I was at a family's house a while back and <clears throat> pretty good family. Dad is crazy successful. Mom's a sweetheart. But I talked to the daughter and she's becoming more and more defiant and they wanted me to just kind of sit down with her. So I sat down with her and I was like trying to help her to see everything that she had, all the good around her. And I'm like, look, you live in a multi-million dollar home. 
You have a, a brand new car. Your college is paid for. You have a lake cabin, a boat. You have everything. And she's like, Father, you don't get it. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Struck a chord. And I'm like, what don't I get? And she's like, I don't care about all this. What I wanted when I grew up was a dad. And he wasn't there. He was making enough money to buy all of this. And now all of this reminds me that my dad was never there. And I hate it. And you see this all too often. That is the power of absence. I also have another buddy. Doug is his name. He told me many years ago. He was with his children when they were really young. He said, Father, I am convinced that my children are happier when I give them less stuff. So long as I give them more of me. That's the power of presence. But I think the crisis of masculinity in the modern day and age is a crisis of presence. Men just aren't around. They're busy. Real Christian men are very rare. And it doesn't just affect men, it affects everyone. We're a distracted culture. You know, I have a lot of funerals here at St. Joseph. and I hear constantly, oh, grandma and grandpa, they just loved family. They were always just doting over family their whole lives. They just family, family, family. We had all these traditions at Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving. And I just remember them so fondly. And I always say, well, what are you doing for your traditions? Well, we don't have any. Wait, so, so you have all this nostalgia for growing up with all of the family and tradition, and now you're just going to forfeit that? You're going to forfeit your family? We are terribly alone. And I think that one of the things this pandemic showed us was at first it was fun. Stay at home. Sleep in. Hang out. But then all of a sudden, Netflix got old. Games got old. Being alone got old. And people began to hunger for real human interaction and family. You know how many times I heard during that pandemic, I just want to see my grandma. You know how many times I heard during that pandemic, I just want to see my family. Learn from that. We sacrifice so much of our family and our relationships for all of this garbage out there. When family is the most important, but my, when my mom died, my brother said, I have not realized it until now, but the most sacred word on this earth next to the name of Almighty God is family. It's family. And we forsake our families all the time. Because I think what we want is relationship. We don't want to be alone in the struggle. And that's what you see in the gospel for today, right? You see the apostles are in the boat and they're terrified of the storm, but they're not alone. Jesus is there. He's in the midst of the storm, but he's asleep. He's asleep. I can't figure that out. Last night there was a storm here and I was in a house, in a bed, under covers, and the storm woke me up. Jesus is asleep in a boat, tortured by waves, with maybe a blanket. 
I'll never figure out how he stayed asleep during the storm. But I did figure this out. I know why he was asleep. Because he wasn't alone. He wasn't afraid. He says in John chapter 8, The one who sent me is always with me. And he will never leave me alone. And he's with us as well. Right there. You know what we call that? Call it the Eucharist. We call it the real presence. God's ultimate answer to our problems is his presence. He doesn't take away our pain. He doesn't make life perfect, but he's always with us. One of the things I've noticed as a priest, I can't fix people's pain. And I'm involved in people's pain all the time. But what I can do and what I do do as a father to this parish, to the church, is I just stand there and be with them. And you know what? That's enough. Because that's what we all want. We just want to know we're not alone. And family's the beginning of that, but faith is the culmination of it. To know that you are not alone. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And because of that, the greatest thing we can do for each other is be present. Especially in our families and our friends, especially when they're in a storm, suffering, just to be with them. A father can't always fix everything, but he can always love. He can always forgive. And he can always be there for his family when they need him. And when he does this, just like Jesus in the boat, the storms, they're not quite so terrible. And above all, the presence of our Father, our Heavenly Father, is what drives us on no matter where we find ourselves and no matter what we experience. Presence is everything. And when we truly understand that we are never alone, you and I will be able to weather any storm.